0: This is Rachel.
1: Hey, this is Spencer.
0: And this is Neon Boots, our 90s country music podcast. And today we have our very special guest, Phil Cook.
1: Hi.
0: (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us today. Phil is a musician that lives here in Durham, but you do lots of other cool stuff too. You want to give us your elevator spiel about who you are?
2: Elevator spiel. I'm a... I'm a northern Wisconsin kid who moved to the deep south and, uh, or not the deep south. I guess the, it's not the shallow south either. It's somewhere. (laughs) The middle south. Not, not pool related metaphorically. Uh, I'm just going to say I moved to the south in 2005 and I've been navigating this terrain, uh, culturally and, uh. Socially and communally since. Um, Gotten into some record producing and putting on some special shows here and there. Play music. I'm a dad as best I can be and a husband as best I can be in the whole process. And yeah,
1: here I am.
0: Nice. So you're one of our few guests that we've had so far that isn't like a native... Southerner, even native Carolinian. Yeah,
1: almost everyone except you has been from North Carolina. Yeah, except for Rachel. I'm used to that.
0: Okay. Wisconsin is like the South in the Midwest. No, you guys are also nice, though. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all different. You know, I, it's funny. I would love to say. I kind of just feel like. What is Wisconsin? What is the Wisconsin of the I don't know, there's something there. There's something there. I mean, I really think that Wisconsin's got like some pretty like bold terrain. On a, on a smaller smaller level mm-hmm. than everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, out of all the Midwestern states, I feel like Southern Illinois is the south of the Midwest.
1: <laughs> gotcha. And then, like, I don't know. Wisconsin's just some Midwest. Yeah. Well, it's also like 45 today, and me and Rachel are talking about how cold it is. And I, <laughs> I, I don't think he'd probably share that opinion. <laughs> I
2: don't know, man. Been here 14 years. I'm like, acclimation yeah. is the name of the game here, so I don't, I don't have any thick skin anymore more i it's gone it's out the door so
0: so since you were, were not living in the south and kind of maybe forced to listen to some of this music the way that Spencer and I were what is kind of your memory or experience or recollection about like were you listening to this in the 90s were you listening to country music in the 90s
2: absolutely not <laughs> I wasn't listening to it 90s country music would have turned up in my life in functional ways where it was beyond in the background in these certain settings that I grew up around. A lot of people that I grew up around did listen to country music very yeah. heavily. Mm-hmm. All the first jobs that I had, I worked at a gas station uh, in high school and that, that was set to the country music station. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that's how I remember it's it's kind of like it's part of a setting right. in a time in my life I that ran. was very like, you know, formative, But I wasn't actively seeking it out at all. In Mm -hmm. fact, I hacked into the tape player of that said gas station (laughs) so I could go ahead and play my music, which at that point in time would have been like Tower of Power, Live, Living Color, Herbie Hancock, Headhunters. And I would get lots of commentary from the pedestrians that would walk in (laughs) in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, on Main Street. Like, What is this? This is not in my construct of of the Super America gas station (laughs)
1: experience that I've come to experience. <laughs> <laughs> anyway so how did you get turned on that kind of stuff so like I had one buddy who was a piano player I and mean, he played by ear like I did
2: and he was really good he played kind of bluesy stuff but he kind of had this country tinge and he really was a huge Garth Brooks fan and um, I was you know more interested in my friendship with him than it was in anything else so I was, I trusted him he would just like show me stuff and that was like probably like a meaningful uh, and then um, I don't know I, I, I think that honestly it probably didn't come to way late like in a Crazy way, I think that maybe 2010 until now is when I've actually listened to 90s country music. Mm-hmm
0: resurgence
2: like 20 years later
0: we're bringing it back <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: because i but i've i've absolutely met great people that i really love whose base has been in that like heather mcintyre is a good example mm-hmm. like she was steeped so deeply um in like in 90s country music growing up in the mountains where she grew up and so it's a huge part of who she is and she's finally come around i feel like musically to like really embracing that part of who she is and her music now feels like it's a complete return to center. Did you, that, were
0: you at her show last night?
2: I, well, I stayed home so my wife could go to the oh, show.
0: Oh, okay. That's sweet. <laughs> my husband and I went and she's got a new guitar player. He was really great. And he definitely sounds like a country guitar player. And so listening to her last night with her new stuff that she's playing on her so, solo album, it was very much like, yes, this is, this is the country Heather McIntyre <laughs> that we've all been longing yeah. for. <laughs> well,
1: when it she did really that great. pinhook release show, I think is what it was that she did. Um, do you think Hank done it this way? Which was amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To me, I hadn't seen Heather like in that light before of doing just straight up country, country. stuff as much. Well, I sure. have to get her on.
2: I think my, one of my favorite memories, I think that involves 90s country. I think it's 90s country. It's just, but just let me just keep it within for this narrative. <laughs> well, I was being on tour with Heather when she was in when it was Mount Moriah and we were opening for the Innuo Girls for a week and we were somewhere in like deep like weird Pennsylvania where all that it's like a dilapidated town but all the houses are really big and illustrious old Victorian falling apart kind of a iron town and we were went to some bar and I can't remember where but there's a bunch of kind of meatheads and say that in quote kind of there that were there and you know it's you know a time where I was too Around, you know, being able to be in a band that was fronted by a woman and, and watching Heather, you know, like just watching Heather like navigate like a terrain of just walking into that kind of mm-hmm. an energy and sort of where there was that. And, you know, my brother and I are very engaging people. So we engage these guys eventually because that's what we do. And so we engaged them and we ended up, it escalated to a point where we were singing and, and uh, they wanted Heather to sing something. And she just chose to sing My Love is Deeper Than a Holler by Randy Travis. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. by herself and in my mind it still sits as one of the most courageous like moments like uh, like that really exemplifies like human courage to me where like you're under a microscope all odds are against you nothing is probably going to work out and, but you take your little tiny light and you just shine it as bright as you can she did she sang that a cappella in the middle of this bar oh, and everyone was quiet and it was an incredible moment that i like still think about sometimes when i'm like need a little like Boost. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like Heather. Like she just totally like she owned that. You know.
0: So that song came out in 1988.
3: Ah,
0: <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll give it to you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because it, that that song is definitely one that even though it was released in. 88, it persisted
3: through the
1: 90s. Yeah, it was the a 90s. staple of 90s yeah, country like still, I think. If you were
0: listening to the country radio station in 1995, <laughs> you were still going to hear that song. You,
1: you <laughs> were oh, loving we'll those Randy Travis songs outside the 90s, <laughs> it turns out. Like, you just think his cello is only during the 90s, according to Phil. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Actually, do you want to just start with that since we're there?
1: I guess we can. Yeah. I wasn't ready for that. I know,
0: so, we were mixing it up. You
1: yeah. better get ready for that. Surprise. I'm ready for awesome, it. All so this right. This is you. So, the reason. The reason why I said that is Phil had originally picked Three Wooden Crosses by Randy Travis but rachel who doesn't want to break the to rules <laughs> only Sorry. wants to break our guests hearts by shooting down their ideas <laughs> she was quick to point out it was released in 2002 i think that has something to do with it, also winning a dev award and so that was like a double whammy <laughs> for her because there's too much dove talk so of course uh, i picked the 99 uh, Randy travis kenny chesney duet baptism which won a dev award i didn't really pick that one but i just wanted to scare rachel into thinking i picked a dove Award. <laughs> no
0: because i was waiting to talk <laughs> about
1: that later because yeah. I love that song. That's not the one I picked. I t- did say I'd pick the most churchy Randy Travis song possible when I was choosing one. So I picked I'm Going to Have a Little Talk with Jesus by Randy Travis which was on his 91 album High Lonesome. It's a great album. Has some co-writes with Alan Jackson The Dream Team. And this is pretty different from the rest of the album in that it's, it's an acapella song with a group called Take Six which is a gospel group for formed from, uh, Alabama HBCU called Oakwood College and the leader is actually Claude McKnight which is the older brother of Brian McKnight
3: nice. as you
1: know from back at one and other hits <laughs> I was kind of joking about the finding the most churchy Randy Travis song but I do know that Phil is a big fan of gospel music and we've taught before in one of our many conversations for the indie and he brought up uh, was it Sister Act or Sister Act 2 that was your introduction kind of to gospel yeah like sort of like how does culture pre- Permeate through the fabric of like,
2: you know, time and space, you know, it trickles down to the Midwest later than other places. I'm just going to say, and what we get, it's sort of like, it's sort of like cloudy with the chance of meatballs. Like, it's just like, Oh, it's raining hot dogs today. Like you just reach your hand out and like, that's what it, you, okay. We're, that's what we're eating today. This was like, you take what you can get because it just passes by you. And however it does in the medium that it does, because it's not from the source, it just gets tossed out. Yeah. So, yeah, Sister Act Two would have been, it would have landed exactly at the right time when I was forming all of my personal, (laughs) like, musical, like, explorations, like, all the openings and the frontier felt like they started, the door was harmony. That was the door for me. You know, like, I was singing in my church choir. There was all these things, you know, and then I saw Sister Act Two, and I must have been, like, 12 or 13, a perfect age where you're just, like, you're just becoming a person for real with your really, your own opinions. and really your own kind of thing and then your own tastes and opinions that, like, come in and they really shape and inform a lot of the rest of your life. And so, like, it's funny to me that that's the actual form that it took was this Whoopi Goldberg movie. <laughs> but Lauren Hill, a young Lauren Hill, just singing, like, singing in that movie, mm-hmm. dude, singing. First time I ever heard the song by Edward, Haw- Edward Hawkins, Oh, Happy Day. Right. Which has an, uh, you know, when I do my gospel music podcast, I would do an entire one just about like just the incredible journey that that song started from and has, and that, that's that got a great story behind that song. So, I mean, a lot of things planted their seeds there. Yeah. Sister Act too, you know, <laughs> like it was great. And then I went to my, my church choir. I was the youngest person by like 40 years in my church choir, Presbyterian church choir. And I walked in, I was like a seventh grader and I was like, kind of brash and bold enough to just be like, we need to clap. <laughs> <laughs>
0: At a Presbyterian church. I love it.
2: On one and three. Let's try on this thing <laughs> to clap on two, four, and watching the short circuiting of middle age to old golden age, like upper Midwesterners completely fizzle out their brains at that tiny. <laughs> But seismatic shift in thinking.
1: (laughs) But that kind of stepped from that. Well, I also grew up in the Presbyterian church.
3: Me
2: too! Oh no! Oh my God! We're all holding hands. We're all yes, holding hands right yes. now. The dog is getting <laughs> we, into it.
1: Yeah, we got the, do- the, the dog is in my lap. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I remember that it was always the most awkward when we would flip to a song. I wasn't in the choir, but just, you know, on a Sunday morning we flipped to a song and at the top left or top right, the writer credits would just be African American spiritual. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was like the soul got turned down to Z, the soul knob. <laughs> Fader was turned All the way Soul down Soul free. Yeah it was, just like, it was like How do we make this Sound as awkward As possible like, I'm, like They did not do it That way That's not how It was done
0: Yeah I was trying To visualize What my choir Would have said If And it would have Been the exact Same reaction Had I come in Suggesting we did Anything from Sister Act Or Sister Act 2 Oh man Presbyterian life Yeah
1: It's so good Alright well Do you want to Listen to a clip From this And then we can talk a little more about the track that yeah. sounds great Go all i'm gonna have a little talk with jesus when i get home tonight i'm gonna tell him all about my
3: troubles and i know he'll make them right
1: then i'll ask him to forgive me for the things that i've done wrong i'm gonna have a little talk with jesus tonight when i get home all right, so there's a quote I wanted to bring up in Phil's presence just because I thought this would get a good reaction. So I read in a review on AllMusic.com where he was referring to this track and he said this wouldn't have worked anywhere near as well if he'd recorded the track with the Blind Boys of Alabama. <laughs> and I know Phil is a big fan of the Blind Boys and has worked with the Blind Boys.
0: Correct that very yeah. What's Your opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so I just wanted to get your your
2: take. On that where the blind boys had done this as opposed to take six right yeah right well you know if the blind boys had done it they would have brought that really old school like um, kind of group vibrato into the mix which would have changed like I think the setting under over under which Randy's singing right so you've got like take six who can sing in kind of almost like a perfect unison they can sing really close notes together with no vibrato and have it just sound basically like a padded synthesizer they're like that pitched and perfect right but like say you listen to like the blind Boys, you like, you know, if you solo like uh, any one of those singers out there, they're gonna be like, yo, oh, 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 which will fluctuate anywhere between like a minor third and a fourth with just their vibrato. It's just like a lot, it's yeah. just a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and it's part of the sound. And so when you, if you want a lot, which is a part of that sound, then it's what you're going to go for. And I think that producer would have just been like, that would just been a specific choice. Gotcha. If you wanted something that was just going to actually sit behind, that was just going to be like almost like a warm blanket and kind of not move and gyrate right everywhere. Take Six could just pull that off better than anyone else, mm-hmm. you know.
1: was well, it's, it's kind of interesting. Later on, Randy Travis actually recorded With a Blind Boy's uh, Swing Down, Sweet Chariot, which he put on the Three Wooden Crosses comp. So you can compare the two and see what he did with the Blind Boys and see what he did uh, with with Take Six. Uh, I, I was trying to open the door. to you bragging some about working with Blind Boys here?
2: Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's basically like a uh, it's it's a, it's one of my favorite. Just everyone there knows when Phil shows up because he's the fourth call piano guy. Whenever like their third <laughs> call piano guy can't get the call, then Phil shows up, happy as a puppy. <laughs> with lots of questions Mm -hmm. about like, you know, I'm full of questions, they're all very gracious with how they, how, and actually like, you know, we have, it's great, like I text and call all of them at various times in the year, and I do have questions for them. They do know everybody from all of time they sang with everybody they know everybody like it doesn't matter who we're talking about dolly partner or if we're talking about like jojo wallace from the sensational nightingales or we're talking about like albertina walker from gospel harmonettes like anyone they were good friends with (laughs) they were good friends with every single pop staples good friends with every single person that i ever would bring up to them so it's, yes, I'm going to ask them questions like, what was this like? What was this like? I'm full of questions. I know that it's like, you know, it's a specific energy to be the guy that's like really happy to be there and full of questions. Um, I take advantage of it. I've been really like lucky that they've just been really like, they're, they're really like patient and really kind to me and really incredible people. And I think that that them being blind has kind of sort of forced them to be patient it so many times every single day of their life that they have to kind of wait in ways that that we all take for granted be excited people do and I just like watch that kind of process so I've also learned to kind of sit just kind of sit and when I want to just you know talk sometimes I don't you know what I mean it's a
1: smart thing to do you know and I know that So yeah, I mean that's I don't know. They probably take some pity on you knowing that you came to gospel through Sister Act as well. So I don't know know if they (laughs) know that full story. I mean, they definitely. uh, There's no hiding
2: who I am. I'm fully myself around them, which is just important, you know.
1: But you did say you you're familiar with Take Six and their music. You you would have been familiar with their music at this point. Yeah. I was aware of Take 6 because I had an
2: aunt who had breast cancer and in the process of her recovery became a born-again Christian. And the way she expressed it, she was really, really into music. And they live two blocks from my brother and I. So I were over there all the time. They always had this very contemporary 90s Christian music. And that was like one of the only like kind of African-American groups that she like really listened to. She listened to a lot of like Sandy Patty and like First Call and like all these groups that are just like... You look at their promo shot and like empty. Eye, every one of them <laughs> empty eyes. You're just like, whoa, whoa, what's going on in there? What's going on inside? First calls, take whatever. But for like, take six, she was a huge fan of. So yeah. I heard a lot of take six at my cousin's house. So you were a fan from early on. I just knew who they
1: were. Gotcha. I was just kind of familiar with like these people that could actually really sing mm-hmm. really well, no matter what. Right. You know. Oh, and we haven't mentioned yet, Randy Travis, obviously from North Carolina in marshville outside of charlotte but this song has another north carolina connection in that rainy trout is covered with Durham native don schlitz as in schlitz beer i don't think there's actually a connection but same spelling yes sir. so uh he he wrote his first song that he ever had cut was the gambler which is a pretty high standard to set i would say whenever you're having your first song cut ends up being The Gambler. He also co-wrote uh, When You Say Nothing All, the Keith Lilly song, mm-hmm. and then he co-wrote Forever and Ever Amen and Deeper Than Holler. So he was all over some Randy Travis stuff, wow. but he's had some pretty good hits. He's in the North Carolina Music Hall of Fame, which is naturally located on Dale Earnhardt Boulevard in Kannapolis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know just that's
3: co- where it was. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> so cross it over there. And then I love, he had Uh, he got inducted in the country hall of fame recently and he had this quote that he had been living in the parentheses all this time and he said it's very safe and wonderful getting to work on something different every day i just love that thought of working in the parentheses or living in the parentheses and i read that there's about a half dozen other songwriters in country hall of fame i assume there have been a lot there's so many big country songwriters and and he said there's some names that are tender that i have no idea who they are and i expect to be one of those names but to be the least recognizable name in that room is an honor beyond anything I could ever think. Just like super humble dude and like I just love those Things yeah. he had to say about that. We need to bring this guy back to Durham. Yeah. And have him co-write some stuff with Heather, maybe. Still oh, I thought around. you were going to
0: say to have him be on our show. But...
1: Well, that would be a second priority.
0: Okay. We
1: can work on stuff. <laughs> is Dodge, Dodge is he still around near where he's living? Uh, I assume in Nashville still. I'm pretty sure he moved there when he was writing. Yeah. Uh, he is, as far as I'm aware, still alive. 66. Hey, well, yeah,
0: Wikipedia says he's still alive, so.
1: So that's fact. Okay.
0: <laughs> fact.
1: All right, let's make a pact right now that we're going to track down Don Flips. We're going to find Don Done. He's probably just going to be in the Country Hall of Fame just admiring his name in the rotunda so we can find him there. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, cool. If we leave right now...
0: How long will it take well, you us just, to get to Nashville? Yeah, will take us
2: eight hours. Keep the recorder on. This will be the longest podcast you guys do.
0: <laughs> we might lose the <laughs> you know,
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
1: the four people that stick around for the entire eight hours will be dedicated for life. Let's just be honest. You just got back from Nashville. Uh, we should let you know to bring it back with you. Weren't you just in Nashville? Yeah, I love that town, man. And you, I love you know, that town. Next time, we'll give you some a list of people to locate and track down and bring back with you. Hi, hey, um... <laughs> Is Dawn there? <laughs> like, you don't know me. I um listen. Uh I don't
2: know where to start.
0: <laughs> you need to come back to Durham with me right now. <laughs> There's
1: no time to talk. But you need to come with you me. Need to come to Durham. Knock <laughs> knock. Well, those are all of my thoughts on this song. I don't know if you guys had any more. Uh Randy Travis
2: just worries a line like just in a, just a, just the right way. It's just like the way that you want a country singer. It's like you can hear a country singer to me like 90s all the way through now all the way back down to like you go back to like George Jones and before right you know that kind of like you'll find the same dang chorus melody in about two out of ten country songs exactly the same for like sixty years yeah you know. Mm -hmm. um, that's the same. That's the ending of every single chorus of like. I
0: couldn't figure out what song right there. Right.
2: But what I love about Randy Travis is that he just man, he just does something like he just worries it perfectly, like uh, just his own little way that he does it. It's just like yeah, yeah. I don't know. I appreciate. It. I dig that dude. I and mean, you think like? <laughs> you know like if he wakes up naked in a church parking lot with like after he crashed his Corvette and be like you know like yeah shit that yeah, happened yeah, a couple I was trying to I was not okay, hearing right. all that right, all right, right but like you know I, mean, I want to be just like I want to have a little talk with Jesus like if like, is he just like sing Holy that and like <laughs> yeah (laughs) like
1: that's going through his mind as he's driving home like naked driving
0: home
2: oh Oh,
1: geez he
0: had to get home to talk to jesus
1: yeah yeah he had some interesting run with the law in the the past 10 ish years. Uh, he's actually got an autobiography coming out soon. So after I finish Shania,
3: if, if one.
1: this one's out, that'll be my next read. I think, and I think we were talking about this one over text, where he walked into the convenience store naked, demanding cigarettes. And then when he realized he didn't have any money to pay for the cigarettes, he turned around and left. Which I thought would have gone along with walking in naked. You would realize you don't have money on you. Yeah. But <laughs> I guess I'm putting too much thought Where's into the, the thought processes of someone who walks into a convenience store naked, demanding <laughs> cigarettes. It's like, why didn't you bring logic in the situation, <laughs> Randy?
2: Like, well, who's the badass behind the counter that just saw a naked dude walk in and then slammed his hand out and then brand of cigarettes and you didn't just give him the cigarettes and let it be done?
0: I mean, if it's Randy Travis, I would just give him the
2: cigarettes.
1: Yeah, that, I would have paid for him. Think about the convenience store employee. That's the, the story of your lifetime right there. I would, you know. I would
0: take a selfie with naked Randy Travis, give him the cigarettes, and just go about my day.
1: Yeah. We need to see if there's like the grainy surveillance camera footage oh, of this. I don't
0: want to see that. <laughs> I don't want to see everything. You hope that the counter but, is high He's hiding, got his
1: but... little jeans. He's got a
2: little butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like his little tiny jeans. Like, it's all good. You know what, <laughs> what I mean? It probably works out well on a camera. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> oh, man.
2: Uh, this is, is this how all your podcasts have <laughs> yes. felt so far? Okay, yeah. that's yeah. great. That's yeah. great. Right on. No, right. This
0: is going just as just as we expected. Okay. Yeah. Do we want to so, transition on to uh, Phil's, Phil's song?
1: Sure, we can talk about the other Travis, which, yeah. confession, I used to get these two mixed up a lot, Randy Travis and Travis Tritt. Ow. Randy Travis Tritt. I, I mean, again, I didn't have, like, the visual thing to help me out, not having CMT and that yeah, kind of thing, true. so I didn't see the visuals as much, and it was just, you know, to get the Travis part, and I'll get mixed up, but a friend recently told me that, it doesn't really apply to our last stories we were just talking about Randy Travis, but she said that Randy is a little bit... Classy and Trit is a little bit Trashy so that's kind of been my mnemonic device or whatever mm-hmm. for remember those I don't think a mnemonic device applies but that's been working for me lately yeah so T-
0: trit, trit and Trashy they both start yeah. with T yeah that's but the Randy too. and Classy
1: doesn't really I don't think does it the same but you know close enough
0: so you chose It's a Great Day to be Alive after I shot you down with your original uh, Randy Travis pick why why that song
2: well the original like the Randy Travis pick would have come with a really really great great story about Joe Westerland, but I so the, it's okay. we need to hear no, this no, no 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 it's fine it's fine it's fine I really want it it's this fine this
0: is my punishment for wanting no, to I just, want,
2: no, I just want to throw it out there and then, <laughs> then kill it in sight and uh, it's fine this song is straight to me, comes straight from being in a Chrysler Town and Country minivan with my brother Brad and Joe and Megaphone driving around the country. God knows how many times we did in that little minivan with an upright bass and drums and everything else that was crammed in there. It brings you right back to this time, and there were. And, and I don't know why we found this song, but it became sort of this, this like, put that shit on first thing in the morning. No matter where you are. You could be in Santa Fe, New Mexico. You leave in town, you're headed 10 hours east going on Highway 10 and in Texas and the deep heart of whatever's going on. doesn't matter what mindset you are. You go on that road and you hit that highway and then Brad would put this song on and it was always a sing-along. Like, no matter what. No matter what Joe looked like, because Joe took longer to wake up than Brad and I did sometimes, he would sing along just as heartily as we did by the time that first chorus came around. Like, it was just a unifying song to me. So this is my very obvious second choice because my <laughs> only other first choice, it also involved Joe a, a and a bar in Wyoming and cowboys and dropkicking. Oh, gosh. What? Yeah, we, we got to get that before. We I know, know. I know. I'm just we're, like we're teasing. Get, I'm get, just yeah. teasing
1: after the commercial break the last commercial break that we don't have we'll come back to that one so the, the, what i really like
2: about i like about this song is that like it's such a bro it's such a white dude like bro song to write you know in in some essences and then the innocence of you know this song started with him sitting in his house with nothing to do in the middle of some bullshit like july afternoon <laughs> windows open and in his house. He's just whoever he is. And, like, he literally... Puts rice in his microwave. You know that's how it starts. Is that he puts rice in the microwave and then he just sits there. He's like tapping his foot. He's like, I got rice cooking in the microwave. I got a three day beer. And it's like, I, I literally think he literally sang this song into the air in real time and then quickly naked ran into his room and like, and like, I, I, seriously, like this song, the whole ethos of this song is that this dude is like a lone wolf by himself and it's a great day to be alive. Like, all these things but there's an innocence to like this song that I just really love a lot and you know he wrote this song in less than 10 minutes
0: so just to complete the visual Travis Tritt did not write the song a guy named Daryl Scott did but looking at his picture he also has a Fu Manchu and so you know that
2: oh yeah this is
0: his totally cool this is his life
1: yeah yeah it's a 10 minute song no matter what how you look at it (laughs) And it was, if we're getting to the real story about it, it was released in 2000, but it was recorded apparently twice in the 90s by two different artists. One was, I guess you would kind of call them a super group, but not really that super. Sky Kings, which was John Cowan from Newgrass Revival and Rusty Young from Poco and some other people recorded in the mid-90s, but didn't get released until a 2000 compilation. So 2000 was, I guess, the year for the song. And then a guy named John Randall recorded it at some point in the 90s, and then never actually released it for whatever reason I think some label issues so it still was 90s I was waiting for Rachel to bring up her I,
0: I allowed it yeah,
1: yeah. She, she was generous it's, on this it's one it's also just a, such a great song the rules are important Rachel Rule they really
0: are man. Bring
2: on more and more it's just like parameters and borders and limitations are all like define who you are you know right that's <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> the definition of Rachel
2: <laughs> okay cool alright so Travis did write this this guy Daryl wrote this song yeah I mean Darryl I mean, Scott. actually, it makes more sense that a guy named Daryl wrote this song. I don't know why, <laughs> but it really does. <laughs> Daryl, what you doing? I don't know. It's like trying I'ma call you in a little bit, dude. You'll never guess what I did. Check out this song I just wrote. <laughs> About right, dude. I just talked to you 15 minutes ago. I know. <laughs> I know, I know, but check this out. Ready? He yeah, sings it over the phone. All those national songwriters like sang things to each other over the phone every single day.
1: Are you? you know what I mean? Are you sure he didn't just like someone call him up? It's like, hey, what song have you been working on? And he forgot to work on any songs and just start like narrating what was going on. Like that's another. <laughs> your option.
2: your scenario shares a scenario with mine in that no matter what, this song was started and completed in ten minutes. There's no way it wasn't because sometimes that does happen. Is that like all of a sudden? A song just kind of like falls out of your mouth like a
1: nugget of gold and you're like i don't know where that came from literally like it's just crazy has that ever happened to you have you ever had such a quick writing process with your songs i mean yeah it's so funny
2: when it does and i think most songwriters will agree with this it's just like all of a sudden there's sometimes where it's like pulling teeth like through your butt or something <laughs> like that you know what i mean like that kind of pain but then sometimes where it's just like where did this come from this entire thing just fell into my lap you know what I mean it's crazy but you know people like Daryl Scott have like been probably writing songs man for uh, you know multiple songs a day for like multiple multiple decades like the guy's probably got thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of songs you know Uh so he probably has a ton of songs of that are like 10 minute songs like yeah. I would be really interested in like wrangling up every like Nashville deep songwriter and being like what's the quickest song you ever wrote what, what okay, came out cool. of thin air you know
0: that's an interesting <laughs> question okay you think about that and we'll play a clip of It's a Great Day to Be Alive, uh, yeah, the yeah. Travis Tritt version.
3: It's neither drink nor drug-induced, no, I'm just doing all right, and it's a great
2: one of the cool little things about this song is that it goes into this like very like Irish or like Scottish kind of like fiddle melody to me it's not Nashville. it seems a lot more like Mm -hmm. over the pond kind of thing
0: wait you said that the megaphone covered this is there a video of that anywhere
1: I don't know we might have to search we'll have to look for that
0: Cause I would love to see and hear that. That would be fun.
1: Yeah, I like what you had to say about that first line when we were texting about the song earlier this week. Yeah. Do you, Do you recall what you hear? <laughs> what you said about rice cooking in the microwave? Remind Rachel, <laughs> I I think Rachel said something like Who the hell cooks rice in a microwave oh, yeah. And Phil said men who are emotionally Out of work probably cook rice in a microwave <laughs> 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 Oh yeah I remember writing that <laughs> Emotionally out of work Emotionally
2: unemployed uh, Is a great thought I And mean, I didn't have until we talked about this
1: song And I was kind of grateful for that Oh man I will say that YouTube does not find any Megaphone covers of this, unfortunately. But Or you can just take me at my word and know that it was probably an okay moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. That's why <laughs> I want to see it. Because it was so okay.
1: But yeah, when you were talking about Daryl Scott writing all the songs, I don't think I wrote it down, but I know he he wrote a couple Dixie Chick songs. I think one was a Long Time Gone. Oh, uh, great song. And Heartbreak Town. River oh too. dude Long Time Gone is such a good song so uh he's got some some ones that seem to have a little bit more effort put into them, maybe but I don't think those were as big of hits as this one so the the reward for his time put in was a lot higher on this one sometimes that's how it goes man you know <laughs> well,
0: Long Time Gone was sampled by Beyonce, Beyonce in Daddy Lessons. so
2: yeah, yeah. so he made oh, that's, yeah, that's, it was, that's wasn't wasn't a good it?
0: bragging point
2: that's a good bragging point for Daryl for Daryl <laughs> yeah it's funny when you get some of these uh some of these like old timer dudes or just kind of their their music ends up in in places that have to be sort of like interesting or amusing for them or kind of a novelty for them like right. you know an old Nashville dude or like Hornsby having like Tupac Shakur like uh, sample the way it is right right, right. right. and that's kind of what Hornsby's known for in whole circles like yeah.
1: is like this Tupac Shakur like he's <laughs> so. definitely the first way I came across his music for years I didn't hear anything else and when I heard his version I was like why is this dude playing Sing part a of a Tupac song? song
0: any other thoughts on on Travis Tritt and his great day
2: I think that it's really necessary to have a couple of these, like unabashed. Life's gonna be okay. So like that realm. We're so used to like you know we identify more as humans with pain. I think in a, in a real way every day. And there's some there's something that is a rarity to this is not a gospel song. You know what I mean? But it, there's a it's a joyous song. It's a very like carefree song, and it's a very like. For the next ten minutes, I think everything's okay for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone can relate to that. They, where you have like these like small windows, just a moment. All of a sudden, where you just like, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I don't know what's gonna happen tonight. I don't know what's happening, but right now I feel really good. I'm going to hold on to it for as long as this like moment lasts. And I think that that's like, kind of the biggest merit of this song. Mm-hmm.
0: You you saying that reminded me a little bit of the conversation that we had with Erin whenever she chose I Hope You Dance, which we discussed that I do not like very much. But both, both of these songs have kind of that really like positive outlook that I don't know that you could have a song with this much positivity succeed Nowadays, Mm. I don't know. It's also just so cheesy. Yeah. But in the best way possible.
2: Cheese is such an incredible food. Now, listen to me. I absolutely, like, I think that <laughs> the, Wisconsin- the concept of cheese within music, it lives on a razor's edge. Like, what is cheesy to someone, someone else can get completely lost in and give themselves over to, like, mm-hmm. com- like unabashedly. And I love where that line is for everybody. You know, what sounds cheesy to somebody and what sounds cheesy to somebody else is almost, it's as subjective as music sometimes. You know, when you're into this, when you're into something, like, whatever the border of that is sometimes on the other side of that there's some cheese on whatever the other side of it is. so like you know when I was a little kid growing up I'm listening to like you know Herbie Hancock and, and other other sorts of things like, like Sly and the Family Stone like whenever I would hear like like Neurosis or like Rob Halford or like Judas Priest I thought that shit sounded cheesier than anything I've ever heard in my life I'm like oh really oh really but, uh, I'm like really like really seriously dude it's like that's it and I knew that there are people that are like on the outside of that they were like listening to like her react i'm going oh, okay jazz guy you know like like what is the cheese the cheese is like everywhere you know what i mean like people find it but like really cheese is delicious and the door to understanding lies behind the cheese
0: <laughs> well and i would say i do not i did not mean cheesy and as a negative i'm, I'm with you, I'm
2: with you. <laughs> i mean I'm with it's, you.
0: it's a good kind of cheese yeah
2: it's the right kind well because I'm, I'm a Hornsby kid you know yeah. what I mean so I lived in the cheese and I owned every Kenny G record I was in 5th grade that's amazing like cheese. I lived in cheese I lived in cheese and I grew up in Wisconsin <laughs> literally like sonically <laughs> culinary everything was cheese around me like everything when I was growing up it was like an unabashed thing and that's been an important lesson for me as my as I've grown older like I wasn't into cool shit I was not into punk rock I was not into anything that was like you could stand on and be like I was tough I was not tough I was not a tough kid. I was not tough in any sense. Like, there was nothing about it that was controversial. Nothing ever. I was a soft kid who liked soft music. It was, like, really made sense, you know what I mean? And now that I've gotten older and, like, harder, I guess, it's just, like, it's just funny. I don't know. I, like, like looking back on that time because, like, I have to own it. Mm -hmm. I've had to really reconcile, like, some of this stuff, but, like, Hornsby's a great example of just, like, I love that dude so much for what he gave me as a young kid who wanted to just play piano and had no one to look up to to play piano. Right and then you know on the other side of it it's great I love all of that shit the cheese and, and you, this you, cheese and you've since worked with Bruce Hornsby as well yeah now I like living like where the cheese is just it's just it's every it's like the best thing ever in the, in the entire universe to like you know have it come full circle cheese
1: yeah yeah just checking off those heroes on the list that you can just work alongside yeah who's next on who's who's left on that list well, obviously Randy Travis and Travis Trent. Well, well, duh. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we're <laughs> adding to the list now. Yeah, I don't know. Um, They're probably listening to this podcast, so, I'm, you know. Of course. This will bring you their attention. Tony Sachery, the Cajun Spice guy, that'd be a great guy to collaborate with.
0: <laughs> I'm going to use that as a transition, because my song, Carlene Carter's I Fell in Love, has very much a Zydeco Cajun feel to it. I didn't really choose this song for any particular reason, except that I came across a website that was, like, the most underrated 90 songs and this was it. And I didn't immediately recognize it by the name until I listened to it. Then I was like, yes, I remember this. And it was released in May of 1990. It was um, her first single from the album of the same name. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go on one of these, the Charlie from uh, <laughs> Always Sunny. Always, I'm sorry, Pregnancy Brain, Always Sunny with the map and all of the connections. So first of all, Carlin Carter is the daughter of June Carter. And her first husband, Carl Smith, who is also a big country singer, big in the fifties, Country Music Hall of Fame, big stuff. Yeah. She started her own doing her own music in the late seventies, early eighties. She was married to Nick Lowe, who wrote the song Cruel to be Kind, yeah. which was popular in the late 90s with the cover by Letters to Cleo, featured in <laughs> 10 Things I Hate About You, R.I.P. Heath Ledger. I love that movie. Then she divorced Nick, moved back to the U.S., met Howie Epstein, mm. and recorded this song and the entire album. Howie Epstein is a Wisconsin native. Bringing it back to the Cheese, who also played bass for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, and was just, uh, he did all time. Types of wonderful music stuff, including playing with the Techstones, which I was like, the Techstones, I just, this is so familiar. In the video for Nick Lowe's Cool To Be Kind, they borrowed the drum kit from the Techstones because they didn't have one. So on the drum, it's the Techstones, and that was a band that Kathy Valentine from the Go-Go's was a member of eventually. So just bringing in a huge...
2: Holy cow.
0: freaking map of how, all of this and, stuff connected. And how he
2: died of an OD, like, in... Yeah.
0: And-
1: what year was that?
0: Uh, it was early 2000s, I think. Yeah. He co-wrote the song with Carleen. Ben Mott Tinch
1: from the Heartbreakers and also. And also,
0: yeah, Tinch from the Heartbreakers. And
1: then this guy, apparently his like, high school buddy, Perry Lamek, they were like songwriting partners, so Howie would write the music a lot according to what I read, and then Perry would write the words yes. to it, and so they did that, and I think Ben Mott kind of tweaked some of the music mm-hmm. along with Carleen later on. But, uh, yeah, that was kind of a cool connection. I know you're a Petty fan. Yeah. And the other Phil Cook bit of connection here, do you know who was on the background vocalists on the song? Please don't. <laughs> it's a member of the band. Deco. No. Sorry. No. Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah. Levon Helm did background vocals on this Helmia. song. yeah. And, <laughs> and, and Helmia. And one other song in the <laughs> we record. have
3: to make t shirts say that. <laughs>
0: oh my God. Right,
1: I'm going to go over in your kitchen and quickly go with a
2: Sharpie and make a Helmia t shirt yeah. that we're all going to wear for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> That'll be in the photo
1: after. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so so yeah. many
0: great connections there. Wow. Do you yeah. want to listen to a clip? One of my other songs that I've done was Mary Chapin Carpenter down at the Twist and Shout, which also has that kind of zydeco louisiana sound with the accordions and everything it's just a fun song that you kind of want to dance to
2: i mean zydeco music and cajun music you have no pulse if you're in a room and that music is playing you're too cool for school to get up like you have a problem and an insecurity that you need to actually deal with yeah. you know what i'm saying that is an incredible like there, that dude first of all Two step is kind of a universal feel, right? That permeates like so many genres, mm-hmm. from like gospel music to like you know f- to like country music to like bluegrass music to like Cajun music to like all sorts of different things that just have like a, a quick up tempo feel. That's right. just an easy way to like count out four beats. You know what I mean? So I love that, but like it just it's to me the most danceable thing. Mm-hmm. Is finding any kind of a two step and like the Cajun the variety of it. It just kind of a cool glide, man. It's so fun.
1: Yeah, I know you're a big New Orleans what? fan as well. It's so cool. I love all Louisiana. This is great. It's just like the Birthplace of all of it Man
0: Yeah these conversations I want to go to Nashville and back To New Orleans now
1: Yeah Well you mentioned Bluegrass in there Del McCurry actually Did a cover of the song Yeah So I'm sure there's Other people that Covered it too But when I was Looking for the video Last night I found Del McCurry band A few years ago Covered this one Actually it was Probably more than 10 years ago But in his latter Stuff obviously Because mm-hmm. it was wow. Not released till the 90
0: So good Wow
1: That's great dude.
0: Alright I'm
1: just trying to Get to the 3 one Cross the story I've been trying To cut the Conversation just, short Okay you got time to get As to I'm that. looking at this at, at the countdown
2: clock that's sitting in front of us right <laughs> now. <laughs> no,
3: that's
2: what uh, we're yeah. so we're so
1: professional in high tech. Yeah. So
2: the greatest part about touring is these random moments that you get into. In one night, on a random night off. Because there's a long drive. We have a two-day drive to get to someplace. So whatever is the, the focal point node of the place you stop on the first night is usually a random, arbitrary, halfway between the two points that you need to get to, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I've had this happen so many times. Or whatever that is, it's just a random town. It's a random town in the middle of wherever. And if you're driving out west, it's way more likely you're going to hit one of these situations because it just spreads out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So Wyoming is a good candidate. As good as candidate <laughs> as anywhere else. To like just stop for a night and we were on the tour with this Banfield Report and we all stopped at this hotel which was like a western themed best western and it had all this like it used to be our, tra- our train railway car depot and they turned it into a hotel like a best western it was a, it was a unique best western and a sea of un-unique best westerns and we went to the front desk and said ma'am is there any place you think that you could uh, the, like gentlemen gentleman that looked like us could just go grab a beer and whatever it's just a good way to like the hotel people let Size you up real quick and be like you need to go over here <laughs> and i said well there's a satellite but you don't want to go there excuse me ma'am where's the satellite you definitely don't want to go there okay ma'am where is the satellite <laughs> all right so we went to the satellite because we were just enough of people in a group that were like we'll be fine and so we went to the, it's called the saddle as in a horse l-i-t-e second word and we walked into this place and it's karaoke night and i'm not kidding walking to a place that where like literally two out of three people are wearing long dusters and, like, 10-gallon hats. Like, we walked into a super legit cowboy bar that had, like, weird neon lights. Everything about it was... Almost, like, it was just, it was like a movie. And the record almost scratched when we walk in. Because <laughs> we were a bunch of young beardos and we were like walk in, you know, to this place and there were, we don't belong. It's obvious we don't belong. It's fine. But, you know, we're all grinning and we're all like engaging, like confident dudes. So it's fine. We're engaging with people and just saying, what's up, you know? And the karaoke lady's up in front and she has like a shirt on that says like too sassy for classy or something, whatever. <laughs> like, And uh, we like, get the karaoke book and we look and see that Three Wooden Crosses is in there and so like I decide karaoke being the most scary thing I still ever do in my life is go do karaoke. As a performing musician, this is makes no sense to anyone. No, it doesn't. I have no no problem standing on a stage, speaking my mind, being all wherever, I don't care how many people are there, I'm fine. But you put me in a bar in front of two people and I'm supposed to sing a karaoke song. For some reason, something switches in my brain, and I'm totally terrified. (laughs) So, in order to confront this, I'm like, okay, what better place to to confront my fear of like singing that like sing this randy travis song that i actually know i don't have to look like, look at the words i can actually kind of look up and like try and own it that's the point of karaoke to own it right and so i go up to do that, i sing it and i'm doing well mm-hmm. i'm looking around and i'm like like singing you know what i mean and then unfortunately i just hear that all too familiar like <clears throat> of like <laughs> a car bar stool being kicked out and then a bar fight a bar stool fight ensues while I'm singing three wooden crosses in this bar in Wyoming. If there would have been a field recording of this moment. Why they're not for them, heaven only Dropkick that motherfucker, Daryl! Like you hear that like while I'm singing, and a dude literally dropkicked a guy in front of me while I was singing it. And like <laughs> 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 and the woman with the sassy not classy like shirt dove into the middle of the like bar fight and was like hammering on dudes heads and like all of us were, anyway the cops all came and we were all scooted out of there but like daryl his drop kick really ruined like you know my chance <laughs> to get over, my fear of singing in front of people <laughs> at a karaoke <laughs> setting but true story before i went up and did that Joe Weschel went up and chose, baby, you You can light my fire by the doors and completely embodied Jim Morrison, like got up on tables, was crouching down, had his fanning his hand out, like looking at people in the eye. And I sat and there was this dude next to me like, man, that dude sounds just like Jim Morrison, man. Like I heard he was just like, it was just a great moment. Like he really brought the room together. Like Joe Weschel can, you know.
0: Oh, what a great story. So no karaoke for you anytime soon.
2: I don't know. I just want to get my couple songs down, like uh, someone's knocking at the door, someone is ringing a bell. By wings, I could probably pull that off if somebody did me, told me right now to go up and sing in front of people. I would try it. You know what I mean? It's just like I think it's about knowing your material and being able to get into it and believing it. And I don't know what I don't know. What is it? Do you do it? I do. What do you get up and just kill?
0: Probably John Michael Montgomery's "Sold" or the Grundy County Auction or Jim Croce's "Bad Bad" Leroy Brown.
2: Those are those. <laughs> Are two of my go-to's. <laughs> okay, I like the idea that you just have this kind of weird confidence about probably Jim Croce's "Bad, bad <laughs> Leroy Brown." Yeah, it's such a great song. I mean,
0: the, the lyric that's like "Leroy looks like a jigsaw puzzle with a couple of pieces gone." Like that is, I think, one of the greatest lyrics yeah. in song history ever. Yeah. I mean, fight me on that. But <laughs> Spencer's not good at these questions. No, where I'm he's not. Put on and also,
1: spot. I'm not good at karaoke unless I have. Or I'm not good at karaoke. Period. I'm not willing. Oh, to I didn't karaoke. say I was good at it. I'm not willing to do karaoke until I've been consuming some alcohol, which is why when we recorded last weekend's episode, I was not at 100% that morning, Sunday morning, because I had heard there was karaoke going on Saturday night, so I started consuming some alcohol. So, what happened? So, that wasn't wasn't like (laughs) I was expecting. That was more of like a group karaoke hang kind of thing. Okay. But, like, when I'm choosing, uh, you know, like Beach Boys Kokomo is a great one. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can always get some crowd participation on that and even though I can't dance you can kind of just like shimmy around the stage that a little bit so uh, that's, the saxophone solo <laughs> yeah yeah. one of the last saxophone solos in music <laughs> that happened in fucking Kokomo well you you can't really follow that up you peak with that yeah so it's like no one could do it better yeah right so, that's up there. That's, one, that's a fave. But it kind of depends on just what, as I'm flipping through, a few beers in looks nice. I don't well,
2: know you know. Doesn't I mean, mean I can sing it. it. It occurs to me that I've known you for 14 years at this point in time, brother. Yeah. And, like, I've never heard you sing one time. But, like, like so, <laughs> I, I, I not that immediately makes you think, like, I want to hear you sing. So, maybe I have to, like, get a few beers in you and we have to go get some karaoke under our belts. Little right. Kokomo.
1: Me and you can wings, just, like. Little <laughs> Little Jim Groce. Yeah. just build some confidence. Maybe on that.
2: After this podcast is done, well, you know, I, I look like Rolling Stone. Joe Westerland at one time went up and did karaoke, speaking of Joe Westerland again, <laughs> at a bar in Wisconsin, in Cornell, Wisconsin. We went up and we're like, oh, let's put like a Rolling Stone, Bob Dylan. We'll both sing like Bob Dylan. It's going be great. Not planning on the fact that there's 60 verses. Yeah, why in that song did you think? Yeah. So after like did two, you- after like two, we were like, oh God, we have to really, really commit to this like <laughs> 10 minute commitment yeah, of this long. thing. And there was no one, and it was 3 p.m it
1: was like it was not a cool vibe
0: I, I probably would have booed you because yeah. you,
1: <laughs> unless you just really brought it to like the full eight minutes or whatever that song is like riding it's, on the floor it's like
0: somebody getting up and doing like Don McClain's American Pie like that's just too much
1: yeah. yeah it just
0: goes on for too long I love the song but it's too much okay so since we're we may not see you doing karaoke anytime soon do you have any shows or tours or anything cool coming up that you want to promote
2: Sure. Heather has opened up this really incredible place called North Star Church of the Arts. With yes. uh, this Nina will be Freed. Phil's wife. Phil's wife,
0: Heather, not My Heather McIntyre, since we are oh, yeah. talking about Sorry. her Sorry, thank earlier. you.
2: Thank you for the clarification. Yes. yes. <laughs> My wife uh, has opened up this really incredible place called North Star Church of the Arts, so I'm really excited about that. Just you know, go look up North Star, northstar.org, and uh, and check that Check that thing out. That's going to be cool. I'm producing a record for Charlotte Ammons. Mm-hmm. That'll be out sometime later this year. I'm really excited for everyone to hear that. So, yeah. I mean, there's lots of stuff. But that's two good things that I could just say off the top of my head.
0: Well, that's- and you're, you have an, an album that's pretty recently out. Right or have?
1: I guess what's six months my, now? Is six months is recent it's now. Like Rest on your laurels since then. I feel like two How weeks ago is the recent ball.
0: Okay, time just is it's different. The, it's the most recent. It's
2: the most recent. Yeah, yeah. I have a record called people on my drug I put out. I guess less than a year ago, which seems yeah, like seems like year five ago. years five years ago, a four score and sixteen <laughs> minutes ago, I put on a record called People Are My Drug and it was cool. Sorry, I've lost all sense of time.
0: Well thanks so much for hanging out with us today, Phil.
2: Thanks for listening to my ramblings. I like to talk. Yeah, I think you all know that now. Yeah, we, we love to talk why to you. That's why we had you.
0: Because we knew that you would talk to us. It just wouldn't be awkward silences. No,
2: I appreciate you both. This is cool. Yeah.
0: Well, thanks so much. Maybe we'll listen to the Three Wooden Crosses now since we couldn't listen to it
2: earlier. Oh, that is definitely a jam.
0: <laughs> Bye, guys.
3: Bye. There are three wooden crosses on the right side of the highway why there's not four of them heaven only knows i guess it's not what you take when you leave this world behind you it's what you leave behind you